0: Hello, and welcome back to Modern Animism, A Very Convoluted Guide. I'm your podcast host, Sarah Jane. In the last chat, we were discussing the Mu, Mother Culture, and how their influence spread across the northern parts of the planet until they became subverted by newer cultures rising up from the Aegean who brought us a pantheistic approach to religion, monocultural ethical standards, and all those aspects that make modern society function. This change was followed closely by an explosion of religious thought that came from the Sinai Desert Society, who had gone to show a lot of intolerance for women and the goddess culture. But firstly, before we reach that part of the story, just let me address the white elephant in the room. Because there are many people who believe that there is no evidence for this matriarchal society Despite Chinese mythological beliefs dating the death of the matriarchal society at 3600 B.C.E., we have no actual hard physical evidence that there was ever a society where men held no positions of power. We can presume that women held every position of importance. And sure, we may have archaeological evidence of women being buried a lot of grave goods with full regalia, which would indicate women held a high role, of high regard and high function. But it could just be that the women fulfilled only certain roles. So the onus is upon us to prove that women were more powerful in earlier cultures. One way to do this has been to look at goddess worship, looking for instances where the female deities operate singularly without consorts, with a maximum range of attributes and emblems that perhaps we would normally associate with a male deity. We need to find examples of polyandry, where women take on multiple husbands, as a form of powerfulness, and not because women are a commodity. Of polyandry, there are many different parts of the world where small tribes still practice this, and it is deemed to be acceptable. These sites include Tibet, Mongolia, northern China, northern India, Kenya, Nigeria, and South America. These practices occur sometimes because it's cheaper to share a wife, but in other instances, there's a lot less understanding of paternity, so offspring can be assigned to a group or location, such as a house. In some animistic Shinto beliefs, which occur in China, there are sects of of ancestor worships, for who or their deities are female, indicating that potentially matriarchal societies were at work in those areas. But honestly, there is minimal evidence. And to cap it all off, there's been a lot of physiological evidence that suggests that women have largely been dependent upon men in many periods of prehistory. But of course, we can't rule out missing evidence caused by patriarchal agencies. But let me cover what we do know. Our earliest ancestors were hunters, and like many primate groups, people who assisted in hunting were guaranteed access to food. But on many occasions, women were not included in this group, perhaps because they were caring for or carrying children. But the alpha male was in position to award extra meat to women who were in season and who he wished to mate with. Mortality rates were high, and the ability to be in season for longer was such an advantageous position that women evolved towards menstruation which gave them better survival chances women could trade sex for food and even when nursing were in menopause and this was really important to the evolution of human society women got into better relationships they could share duties with other women in caregiving and additionally menstruation meant that women could offer sex to multiple partners as a trade for food the only downside for menstruation Was a regular need to ingest iron-rich foods which men could supplement from their diet with fruit and nuts but women acutely desired meat and the easiest way to obtain a regular supply of it was to be in a relationship with men who were capable of providing it on a regular basis that was of course until we discovered animal husbandry the earliest humans had deities which represented both male and female roles The male deity was associated with the hunter but the female deity represented both life and death the next stage in developing society came through the planting and harvesting of plants when it was noticed that grains that fell during preparation would grow into plants in the following season and certain archaeologists can work out the migratory patterns of humans because of the migration of plants which had been left in these pathways. Humans were living in groups of roughly 100 people, and migrating across the continent. But whenever a tribe came across another group in a pastoral situation, it was so obvious that this way of life was superior, that it involved less risk, and essentially a migratory group was only as strong as its slowest member. And this is the period where most likely discovered matriarchal societies the skills that women had acquired in working cooperatively, compassionate child raising, all converted well into a pastoral society. And there's evidence because the male hunting deity fell out of favour, whilst the goddess of life and death, who is, became known as the Creatrix, became more prominent. But this doesn't suggest that men had a lesser role, for there was a massive rise in blood sacrifice of both the human and animal kind. And it would have been the men with that with their bloodlust who took on the role or gave themselves this role in addition as farming started to become political men's roles greatly increased for an operational excess meant there would be commodities to protect territories and access to materials to protect so whilst the women's role in the identity of the goddess was maintained different male deities came to existence to cover all of these different roles that men would be holding from this point on the human brain would evolve trading the development of societies of language reading and counting where once a language would be non-verbal as indicated by humans having white palms they could flash across distances and um, trade and commerce required a higher degree of intelligence and a more comprehensive written language began to be developed but once the males mastered writing and it was predominantly males The whole sea change happened to the human society, the role of a goddess started to be marginalised in the face of increased analysis and logic. The earliest written accounts of mythology come out of the country of Summer, in which the goddess plays an important role than the males. They travel, they have adventures, they hold privileged places in society, and they ordain the fate and destiny of humans by 1700 BCE when summer was superseded by Babylon as the next most powerful society the role of the goddess was completely usurped the main god Murduk, was born after the great mother cons- her consort's death he rose up as a god of storms throwing a whirlwind down her throat which inflated the goddess's belly in a mock pregnancy he then pierced her belly and heart and she died he then sliced her into pieces to form the hills, and her blood formed the river Tigris and Euphrates. In essence, we have the moral retelling of the goddess myth. Women went from having a credible role in society to becoming commodities. The female goddess who had been portrayed as having so much freedom was still associated with life, nature, childbirth, but was really under the control of this patriarch. The first written myths that told these stories which illustrated the lessening of the goddess's value. But the first written laws were equally patriarchal and came into existence in 2350 BCE. A quarter of the laws written in this period were restrictions on the rights of women, and just as the goddess lost her value, so did women. The laws were written that told children to obey only their fathers, they restrict women's ability to practice a religion, to operate a business or own property. And most noticeable restrictions were placed on women so they could no longer practice palindry. And this, people, was the start of our Western society in terms of me- legal and moral rationale because we still have the monotheism to contend with. Now, our earliest known recording of monotheism Concept of the Sinai Desert, for which a group of Canaanites known as the Hapiru, which translates as dusty travellers, later scholars would later associate with Hebrew, it pushes back Egyptian history to its early incarnation, where females had very strong roles and women had very strong rights of protection, unlike in Assyrian culture. So just as the Sumerian society developed in the Middle East, so did the Egyptian society develop in tandem. And before even the whole pantheon of Egyptian gods had come into existence, this is prior to 3600 BCE, Egyptian mythology promoted the idea that two goddesses had come together to create the lands, and their names were Nekbet, who was a vulture goddess, who represented Lower Egypt, and Wadjet, the snake goddess, who was the patron of Upper Egypt. Wajet was the most important divinity in the creation of the Bible, and indeed the development of religion across the Western world. For the goddess of snakes, his cult spread so widely that it operated the whole Mediterranean area. The snake goddess was the personification of sex, in the way that a snake undulates as it moves. Becomes a representation of women walking or women doing sex. The goddess represented water, the flowing, sweeping movements of the Nile. She represented the underworld, the nature of the way that snakes slither under the rocks. She was eternal and immortal because instead of dying, she would shed her skin and be born anew. The snake goddess represented truth and wisdom. She sat on the crown of Egypt and her eyes could see all things. And this is probably due to the snake god's worshippers ingesting poison as a way to enter altered states, and they went into trances to give prophecy. We have the entwined snakes as the umbilical, representing childbirth, as the great mother nurturer, and also as the caduceus as a symbol for healing. But for Hebrews, who were attempting to create monotheism, the snake goddess is best known in the creation myth in the Garden of Eden whereas the representation of truth, she tells Eve the truth, that eating the apple would enable Eve to be a god and be able to see good and evil. Of course, we know from retelling the myth that Eve has had the capacity to be like a god. Her name translates as Mother of All Living Things, in reference to her being the Earth Goddess, and her myth parallels that of Pandora, how she is great to be responsible for society's problems through this one act of curiosity this Old Testament analogy keeps promoting the idea that God has exists but has become debased and redundant. The snake is cursed at this point to become separated from womankind and we see this in the following stories of Sarah, Leah and Rachel who are unable to conceive because of this punishment, while their respective husbands, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob have all been given exalted positions. It suggests that in the monotheism there is a God We must not make graven images of him, we must not say his name directly, but we must refer to him by pseudonym. And for his female concept, who exists as only the complementary, she must not be named at all. She must not be referenced, but only alluded to, through the gods' interaction or lack of interaction with the outer world. Now I want to point out that I am not a goddess worshipper, and these myths do not form part of my belief systems. However, I do want to refer to the concepts of divine punishment as a form of exchange between humanity and deity. It's like how Cassandra gains a skill of prophecy but loses a skill of credibility. It's how loss and spirituality are interconnected. And so I hope you join me for my next podcast next week where I will talk about this.